Halli, hello. Hello, welcome to Uva Ball Raw. Uva Ball is back from LA. Uh, how yes. did it go? It was good. We released, uh, you saw the press release that Uva Ball comes back. So the idea is um, to shoot the thriller 12 hours in South Africa in March. And uh, in LA, a lot of the the old buyers of my films came back to talk with me. Like they were very excited. Like, oh, you, we missed you. Please come back, make more films. They were always entertaining, etc. What was good. So very positive feedback from the the film market in Los Angeles, who was on now the first time uh, since three years because of Corona. They had only a digital market in the past. And so that was very good to see people coming back and uh, meeting in presence, like with the people. And yeah, so we're working on getting a cast together with some agencies. There are a few big agencies like CAA, Endeavor, William Morris, and UTA, uh, uh, APA, Gersh, and Paradigm. And so... I have a casting agency, uh, Mormon Bowling Casting. They uh, basically getting proposals, and uh, so we will, or we made already offers to various actors in, and we hope soon we can confirm a lead actor. And only if we have the lead actor confirmed, we of course also know that we can shoot the film. So I cannot make a film without a real cast with some real names. And so I hope in the next one, two or three weeks, uh, we sign the lead actor and then we go from there. And with the lead actor in place, other people will follow. And why I'm optimistic right now is also in the earlier years with, with my films, we always got very, very late the actors confirmed because they have less alternatives, right? So if you ask an actor, can you be in my film in a year or two years? Uh, they have a problem saying yes, because they don't know if they get whatever, a Marvel film and 10 million bucks or 20 million bucks uh, uh, offer. And then they would of course drop out of a film, like a smaller film where they said yes to. So from this point of view, um, I think now till February, March is not so long. Uh, to go and I think so now whoever says yes uh, knows that the chance that they're getting a big offer from a big studio film uh, is highly unlikely because this kind of films they are planned for at least 12 months in advance the shooting oh yeah yeah so uh, it was in a way strange to go back to LA. It's like a deja vu, you know, I was not there since six or seven years. So you go from the airport to Santa Monica and it's the same, like it, it was uh, not a lot of buildings changed there. We have the feeling, uh, whatever, like uh, tons of things changed in, in Los Angeles, same hotels, uh, same restaurants, few restaurants closed maybe because of Corona and then new restaurants opened up. And uh, it was very hot in the sun, but it was very cold uh, with the wind from the ocean. As soon as you were in the shadow, you really needed a pullover or a jacket. I saw it a few times I get a total cold because of the 
you, you know, your, your little, like in the t-shirt, you get grilled in the sun. Now you go in the shadow and you sit there and have a meeting or something and you freeze your ass off. So, huh. yeah, it's, uh, how, how hot is it where you are? Like, like in the shadow, basically, what, what is the temperature? Uh, I'd say it's like 70, 65, 70 degrees. So, yeah, so still good to be everywhere in a t-shirt, basically. Yeah. Almost, yeah. I think LA was under 50 sometimes. And and then it gets really chilly. Like, so. Oh, like, yeah. At night, especially, it gets really cold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that also. And then the, the strange thing is every restaurant, whatever, still have, they still have all, like, the air conditioning on. And it's <laughs> cold. You know, it's, like, cold. So you sit there and you think, like, I want the heater on and not the air conditioning. So, uh that was also strange. So sometimes it was way better to sit outside when they put the heater, the, the, the gas heaters on that warmed you up. It was inside a lot of times really cold. And uh, yeah. And then I met Michael Perret uh, for a dinner. Um, he's shooting, I think, uh, like a Western series now. So he's still busy with, with products, what's very good. And uh, yeah, and then uh, we go from there, you know, like... Uh, it looks like Christina Loken was at the party. She said, uh, she said to some people, say hello to Uwe because she know I was in the market, but I uh, couldn't uh, see her uh, or whatever. And uh, I didn't oh, that's her. nice of her. Yeah, you know, she's still. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, in Darfur, I think she did a very good job in Blood Rain too. Uh, and I hope for her all the best. I mean, for me, there is no part for her in 12 hours and uh oh yeah we will see you know what that agent what the agencies now with the casting agents coming back with uh with with concrete proposals with some actors and then we we you know we just need cast we talk to the streamers we talk to the studios uh and and of course independent buyers and everybody sings the pitch of 12 hours that you have a guy who is forced to kill five people in 12 hours or his family's dead is great because it's just a classical straightforward action concept what if it's properly done it totally works and when i was in the airplane and i watched basically i watched a few films in the airplane but i watched ambulance from michael bay Mm-hmm. And I think the film is so silly. Yes, there's like typical Michael Bay. You see like so many cars flying around and whatever, like a lot of action, but totally absurd drone flights. The whole time a drone is flying over the actors and over the action scenes, like endless drone flights. And I felt like that is silly, but also the coup. Did you watch the film? Did you know the film? Oh, no, I, I know what you're talking about, but I didn't see it. Yeah, so no, but it's like they they basically want to do a bank heist, Jake Gyllenhaal and some other people, and you think like, okay, first of all, they don't they don't put a mask on, so they are like in a bank, you get filmed, right? So and you think like, what is this thinking? <laughs> I mean, you know, that is that is the thing, and then they have totally absurd dialogue the whole time. I mean, that we know from Michael Bay a lot, and that that it doesn't, you know, like they're making silly jokes even in life dangerous situations, and I cannot take that serious. So. We make a very serious action film where you really have to feel with the main actor, like what would you do in that situation? We 
that the audience is really put in the shoes of that actor. And I think that is the key uh, for a success uh, of, of that film. And also, especially when we talk to the streamers, they are open for very, let's say, more art house character driven casts. You know, they're, they're not, like when you talk to the old buyers at the market, they are like, get Nicolas Cage, whatever, right? So they, they are still old fashioned with the names. And, but now I think the world changed and there are a lot of people from TV series that maybe not so known, but they're good, good actors and uh, they are sometimes better for, for a film. And it's great that the streamers are now existing because you can cast a little offbeat and you still have a chance to make a score a very good deal with the streamer where you get paid, right? So where you actually make some money on a film. And, and I think that is a very positive uh, uh, turn in the film industry. You know, because in the old days, you were just totally dependent on the buyers and they are normally all male and all before uh, between 40 and 60 from around the globe. Yeah. You know? And uh, so, and of course, they, they grown up similar to me, whatever, with Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whatever, like this kind of names. And they, and that is the reason this endless Bruce Willis movies. I, I, I saw at the AFM that there are four more Bruce Willis films out there. Oh my God. I mean, all shot before he retired, but we all know how they were shot, right? So they paid him a million bucks and whatever, he was sitting on a desk for a day. Yeah. And then they're acting like they put him in on the poster and they're acting like he played the lead, but it's not. I mean, it's just a total uh, waste of everybody's time. But these films still sell because the buyers are stupid. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, instead of like, I don't buy films where big stars have one shooting day and getting a million bucks for that day. That is insane. And I never did that. You know, I never did that. So uh, um, I, I always put the money on screen. And, yeah, you always uh, did quality. That stuff is garbage. Yeah. I met people also. One attorney came to me and he said, the Rampage soundtrack is by, by him on like an endless loop when he's working out. And he loved Rampage. And uh, uh, and I met another uh, uh, an editor who I want to hire for 12 hours who worked for Robert Rodriguez before on Sin City, Machidi, From Dust Till Down. And I want to hire this editor to do 12 hours. And he said his favorite film is Postal. Huh. So that was, that was in a way very good for me to, to hear like, yes, my films in a way still made the rounds. People watched this, but we never got really feedback yeah. from, from prominent, like from stars or whatever, from prominent people out of the film industry. I barely got emails uh, like I watched Postal. It's my favorite film. So it's like uh, by, by accident or by luck that I got that information now. And I think that that made me very happy, you know, getting feedback like this makes me very happy that it was not all in a way senseless to, uh, to do, to do all that films. Oh no. Postal is a classic. Of course. Yes. And that is also good in that screen daily article where she wrote that the films were 
successful because of the the uh, uh, home uh, the, the 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 home video. Uh, yeah. and it turned into cult classics in a way, and that, that was the first article. What actually said that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're right. Yes, you know, and I think that uh, so that made me all in a way brought me uh, in in a positive positive mood, uh, and I'm now way more optimistic that we get that that we get that done. This is great. This is great news. I'm very excited. Yeah, you know. So, uh, and because we we need one film to to be back, you know. So you need one proper film with good cast, very like good done, um, and uh, then the other projects like Elliot Ness or Werewolves Walk that whatever that they getting. Um, uh, more possible, yeah. Anyway, you know. So uh, yeah, and I'm I'm very uh, let's say uh, energized based on this. Yeah, we've been through some really tough times, and this is good news finally. Yeah, you know. So I mean, we will see uh, to to finally say yes. Uh, we're really back, uh, you know, who knows, but, uh, uh well, you got to think positive. You got to think. Yes, positive. that's what I think. I think there is a, there is a good chance. I mean, I, I made it clear to the agencies, also to my cast, we need, uh, uh, cast within the next five weeks. We need the lead cast because I have to basically green light the, f- the film before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, so you have in South Africa, South Africa in winter is summer there, so you have the good weather. And uh, uh, from May on, it will be raining and it's not good weather in South Africa. So uh, there is a little, let's say, time pressure to it, uh, you know, so, and hmm. uh, yeah, but look, I mean, uh, we, it's not that we don't pay, we pay good money, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. I'm very excited. And uh, let's let's see other other news. You went to a Sugar Rose concert, huh? Sigur Ross is a, a, a. Oh, is that how you say it? Yeah, yes, a Scandinavian guy. So that was the day before I had to go to the airport, and uh, I because I bought that tickets before I made the decision to go to L.A. So it was the day before. First concert for the, my last concert before this was Billy Joel. So, and, and there was in Frankfurt in a stadium like six or seven years ago. And, uh, and then I, that was very impressive because that Zigo Roska makes a lot of also film soundtracks. I think he worked for Lucasfilm for Star Wars or TV show also. So he makes kind of a bomb, mostly bombastic almost orchestral uh, a big score music so it's great everybody can check that out on youtube uh it, it, it's worth it and, and there, there was some crazy guy there huh <laughs> yeah that was funny on twitter so there was one guy everybody was sitting down because it was more like a this kind of symphony orchestra feeling and one guy was dancing the whole time then he 
he basically disappeared in a way. Like, I don't know, he was sitting on the ground at one point and then the way the, the bouncers came and everybody and they had a long discussion with him. And I mean, I think they told, they told him like, don't block the view from the others and dance and dance and dance. And then it was silent and I tweeted it. And then he was dancing with a face mask on. Huh? But, he, but he kept dancing, but he had the face mask on. And uh, and lost his shit. And then at the basically very end of the concert, tons of people were up from the seats and dancing. So then then he disappeared in the crowd. But I found I, I, I thought that's so funny that I cannot even imagine you are in a big arena with five thousand people and nobody had a mask on. They were like from the from the five thousand, maybe two hundred fifty, three hundred people had a mask on. And then that the I can't really imagine that they say you can dance but put a mask on. I don't know, but it was so strange. I was laughing my ass off. So yeah, if anybody wants to see footage, he put it up on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I watched also in the airplane uh, the contractor with uh, Chris Pine and Ben Foster. And I think Ben Foster would be great for my film. Uh, it's 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 also I mean Ben Foster did a lot of like kind of western and action films. Remember he was the bad guy in uh, with Christian Bale the three things to Yuma. Oh, okay. And he was the killer basically. He was really good, and uh, um, with that other film with Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Hell or High Water, or whatever the name was. That was also very good. Whatever he was in, he was always very good. And I think that is this kind of actors I want now. You know, that that there's no room for cheesiness. It has yeah. to be, you know, we have to nail it with the film. And every uh, every actor has to be like on point. Yeah, I mean, if they're really good in the film, it doesn't matter if the film itself is good or not. Uh, it's it's how good is the actor in the film? How good is their performance? Yes, you know. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, that was. Uh... In in other news, let's see. I don't know what else. What else is going on? What uh, what is happening in Ukraine? Yeah, I mean, in, in Ukraine, uh, it was in a way good for me that for a week I didn't, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> you know, I see that today was in the news that uh, the, the British uh, Secret Service basically said that uh, the Ukraine uh, totally took over the, uh, uh, the airplane field you know the russians they shot down a lot of airplanes from the russians and the russians basically gave up on airstrikes because they're scared to fly over the country because the ukraine now has all this uh uh special um yeah yeah, yeah uh, uh, the anti-air yeah exactly you know there's that, that from us and also from germany has a special thing where you basically they they detecting whatever comes if it's a racket or if it's an airplane very early 
and then they find the target. You basically, similar to when you watch Top Gun or whatever, that's similar to this where you, they just follow the airplane and you have basically no real chance to escape that, that uh, defense weapons. And so, and Ukraine has various of them now and they always have eight or nine rackets on. So it's very tough to survive an airstrike with, with, with it when you fly against that system, basically. So that is, so it looks for Putin uh, worse and worse in the Ukraine. And so the question is, are we coming closer and closer to a, a nuclear strike from Putin? Or are we coming closer to, yeah. You know what I think is happening? I think, honestly, yeah. if Putin is smart, he's waiting to see what's going to happen in the U.S. election. Because yeah. with, with the way the election goes is going to determine uh, if Ukraine gets funded or not. Yeah. And the election, I think that the, the, mid, what, the midterm elections are on Tuesday. It's tomorrow. And... Uh, it seems like uh, Dr. Oz is going to win his uh, – he's up in his poll, which is kind of scary. But a lot of the election deniers are, are up for uh, Senate and the House. That's pretty, pretty scary stuff. You know, the, the midterms are horrible. And I think also that is what plays in Putin's cards, right? Putin knows, like, if the midterms going in the favor of the Republicans – for him, his life will be easier because they will start blocking uh, more and more help, more and more weapons for the Ukraine. And if, if, he's, if he can drag out the war for two years, I'm sure if Trump gets re-elected... Uh, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I know, but look, this is, it's all about, I think, depending on the Democrats. You know, yeah, but it's I, a scary I, alternative. I would prefer Ron DeSantis over Trump because at least DeSantis is fucking sane. But you know, whatever. I know, but is he? Is he really? Sane? Well, compared compared to Trump, <laughs> I know, and and that is the thing. It's like, um, did you saw Bill Mayer's last section in his last show? I did. Uh, I did about uh, the I democracy. Twin, I, yeah, that he said, like, in, enjoy the democracy. It's like a Mac rip. It's like it's temporary there and then it's gone. So it's like, I mean, he, he, he is very um, negative about the future. Yeah. And uh, he thinks that uh, Republicans will win at least the, the, the House. And uh, I'm not I, sure we'll see it when it happens. But the fact is that Biden, if he's the candidate in the next election, he will not uh, win. Yeah. I think he will lose because he's then too old. And uh, of course, he has a recession, he has the war, he has a lot of things to fight against. So it could, the, the circumstances could be better for Biden, basically, but they're not. And when it gets tough for a country or tough for the population, then you always have that problems that then people have the tendency to change the, uh, you know, to, to change the, the, the government and vote for the other party. And look, for Trump, I see that for Trump, it's just a defense, right? So he's like using that situation because he, hope, he knows he will be in court or whatever. 
But if he runs for president, he feels like more uh, like basically safer against law enforcement. Because yeah. if he's the official candidate of the Republicans, so what will actually happen is as soon the, the, the Democrats file something against him, that all the Republicans will say, see, you only try to whatever, like undermine democracy, our, can, our candidate gets legally harassed by you, blah, blah, blah. That will be the strategy, right? So, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm shocked because, and they also say they will impeach Trump, uh, impeach Biden uh, right away for nothing. I mean, there's no reason to impeach Biden, but they will with bullshit just to keep him busy so that he cannot focus on governing or focus on the next election. That is also extremely negative uh, for the Democrats. Um, but the but I think the biggest mistake the Democrats are doing is that the, they have to just accept that the Republicans don't play by the law or by the rules. They, the, the Republicans are is a rogue party of 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 QAnon conspiracy theorists and fascists who just want to um, take over. Yeah. With violence or without violence, they don't care. They they have a clear strategy, like undermine the democracy, undermine the Democrats. If there would be like a totally different voting system in U.S. and it's just like the majority wins, then the Republicans would, of course, never win an election because it's when you see the actually end numbers in any election in the last 40 years, the Democrats always had at least 55 to 60 percent of the vote. The overall votes from yeah. everybody. And but because of the gerrymandering and because of this kind of cheating in like little little country like South Dakota, North Dakota, whatever, like little states getting so many more candidates in uh, with so many less votes. That is the only reason that Republicans are every single time up to par with the Democrats. So it's kind of a fucked up system, you know, that you can, that you have in the end, you have a president uh, uh, based on just you win little shitty towns and then LA counts the same like South Dakota. Oh but yeah, the redistricting crap. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? So you have like, uh, that is what I mean. It's like for some candidates, like 100,000 votes are enough and other candidates have to get 3 million votes. To, to get elected and it's it's ridiculous but yeah but I mean we will see in our next podcast we have the results uh, about the, the midterms and uh, right now it looks not good for the Democrats but let's see maybe there's a surprise tomorrow you remember like a few what was it six weeks ago people were like no uh, the abortion rights th that judgment made a lot of people going back to the Democrats or saying we, we, we vote Democrat now because we hate that Republican anti-abortion policy. But then it looks like they forgot it all. And yeah. it, it, it swinged in the, in the other direction again. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know what people are thinking because I think that Bill Maher is right. Uh, that the, the repercussions of this election are going to be with us for a very long time. 
and people need to wake the fuck up because it's going to affect our children and our children's children the way that they live their lives. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a, a, a reflective moment in American history. Yeah. Yeah. And a very, and it can be a very, very uh, dark one. I yeah. mean, we almost have to say, look at Bolsonaro. You remember we talked about the Brazilian election the whole time. Yeah, and he, and he lost. He, yeah, but look how he lost. 49.5%. If, if Trump would get 49.5%, he would, never, he would never concede. He would never say, I lost. Yeah. But, but in Brazil, and, and I mean, Bolsonaro is a total idiot, right? And fascist and everything. But he, there was no push. There was no flipping out. There was no, uh, uh, I won even if he lost. So that shows America is already worse as Brazil. Yeah, that's scary. You know, that in America, they're totally, all that candidates from, from, for the Congress, tons of them, even in their advertising clips, John Oliver did a good section about it uh, this weekend uh, in his show, is, is everybody says, uh, we're not accepting a loss. So, I mean, what is this then? But, I mean, for, for what you want to go to a voting station, if the party, if one of the two parties you can vote for, crystal clear says whatever the vote is, we have, as soon we lose, we don't accept it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, that even countries like, uh, uh, like, like Brazil, accepting an election result... Is unbelievable. So, uh, uh, I mean, it's in, in a way unbelievable uh, for now in that times we're living in. But I was pleasantly surprised of uh, uh, from from the Brazil reaction. People were mad. People were like disappointed. Who were Bolsonaro fans? But there were no violent riots, no shootouts, no like. Okay, we didn't get we've won it. Now we do a military coup. There was a lot of people posting on Twitter trying to make people think that that's what was happening. There was a lot of misinformation. They're like, look at Bolsonaro's army. And that never actually happened. So that just shows you it. sometimes the misinformation can look like real news. Yes. And, uh, uh, and I think uh, it's... Yeah, but also like they... They, they're railing people up. They're making people in the... Yeah. They want to radicalize people in the internet. Yep, you that's know? the point of it. It's kind of scary stuff, honestly. Yeah, it's... it's uh, uh, people need to be smarter. People need to wake the fuck up and realize uh, taken for fools and they're being given uh, bullshit... And you know what I mean? Like, don't don't double down on the lie. Say you made a mistake and then correct the mistake. You know, don't don't double down on stupidity. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. No, I really hope that America breaks free. And what I really, really hope is that at least the 20, 30 percent voters of the Republican Party who say we are just conservatives by heart are not voting for this kind of lunatic Herschel Walker crazy people. 
Oh, and yeah. they look that you know that they that they maybe then because I understand that they maybe say I don't want to vote for the Democrats, but then they should vote for independents or they should not go vote at all. But you cannot go there with a full conscience if you're like a a, a a Dick Cheney, George Bush Republican. You cannot go there and vote for this maniac. It's impossible. Yeah, Herschel Walker is a pretty big tool, honestly. Yeah, I mean he's he's insane, right? So and like multiple personalities. Four women have had abortions from him, paid by him. Yeah, he's a, he's a hypocrite. He, yeah, a total hypocrite. And he stands there and says, "I'm in Jesus Christ, I believe." And you cannot have an abortion, whatever. But but his own actions speak louder as the bullshit he's talking every day about. I mean, it's it's just like completely insane what's going on. It's. I, I, and what I, you know what the real insane thing is that all their facts are on the table and then people still vote for him. Yeah. That is the insane part. Not really that he wants to get elected. I can imagine. I mean, he wants to get elected. Yeah. But that he actually uh, gets them maybe elected. That is the insane insanity. That is really insane. And and let's say you had Democratic candidates who said, I have 12 multiple personalities. I wanted to kill my whole family and I basically fucked every cheerleader I ever met. You know, and then the Democrats would not vote for it. They would say, no. They're like, you, you are not fit <clears throat> to take an office in any form or shape. But the Republicans are now so down the drain that they basically encourage people like this. They, they, they want people like this to run because they know that they have an army in Congress willing to vote for everything what the leaders of the party want. Like a yeah. Trump. You know, Trump will pardon himself the first thing he will be when he's doing in office. And then they will say, no, you can't. You cannot. It's not allowed to pardon yourself. And he said, from now on, it's allowed. And then the Supreme Court, who's also now a bunch of fascists, basically, will back him up on it. You oh. know? And then, then nobody can prosecute him anymore. And everything breaks apart. I mean, think about Trump. He only has to bridge another one and a half years, basically. And then well. he's... Then, he's, then, then you cannot touch him anymore till after the election. And then after the election, if he doesn't win, he will do a, a, like he will basically tell everybody, okay, now this time get your guns and go to the Capitol. And uh, if he wins the election, he goes proudly and swears he's serving the United States of America. And after it, he's completely dismantling the dem democracy completely. So I'm totally with Bill Mayer on this. He said it all that years. And I think he was completely right. And this time he says, no matter what, if Trump runs, he will show up on January 6th if he lost or won to get sworn in. Like, that is what, what you know, and then you have like, whatever, Neil Gorsuch or whatever, the Supreme Court judge standing there ready to do it with him. Yeah. And completely ignore what the what the votes were, and I mean they were they will sit in every election booth in everything and will try to interfere right there with the ballots, faking votes, putting fake votes in, like Putin elections. 
You yeah. know, like where, where, whatever. Oh yeah, the Ukraine's now enacted. It's part of Russia. Whatever. Ninety percent voted for us. This kind of elections are now right in front of America. Oh God. Yeah, I mean, I'm very curious and scared. What will happen tomorrow? Well, let's hope for the best because there's, there's a lot on the line and I'm really, I'm scared too, really, because the way that you put it, you put it so plainly, you put it so in your face factually that I don't know, I cannot fucking believe that we're in this situation, that democracy is so, uh, is on a thin line between falling into the abyss and prevailing. I can't believe that we're here yeah you know yeah god so that's the thing it's always like uh something what drags you down every day but i'm in a way excited to move forward with the film career and yeah act, and act like there's nothing we can do no it's also like in us it's also maybe you, you you saw all that news about the climber. There are now basically climber terrorists going out and throwing things in $10 million paintings. And in Germany, they're blocking the traffic and whatever. And uh, there's a huge dis- discussion because everybody says they're total retarded assholes. Or they're basically, they're basically like, uh, uh, yeah, assholes. But if I would be 20 now, and there is a reason why they name themselves the last generation, because they are the last generation. If we don't stop the climate change, they are the last generation and they will not die on, in, uh, in old age. So I see the urgently that they urgently want action on the climate front. And they see the world focusing on recession, gas, oil, coal, and wars. Yeah. And so they're getting very, very upset. And they, they're getting drastic, like kind of terrorists, eco-terrorists, uh, uh, forcing or trying to force the government to do something. They're interrupting, like, modern life. Yes. But in a way, I understand that. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, what, what, as a human being, yes, you, right now everything looks fine, but they believe in science. And science says nothing is fine anymore. The earth has a lung cancer and uh, we missed basically all the windows to stop it. And now the earth is heating up too fast, uh, you know, too, too fast, too hot. And we all go down the drain and in 20, 30 years, half of the planet is completely unlivable. So that, that, are, that is what the scientists say. So you cannot just overhear that yeah. and act like you give a shit, as we all do. Well, as yeah, of I course. Do, as you do, as we, I mean, we all are aware of it, but what are we actually doing? I mean, not a lot. We're not really doing a lot to stop it. And they made the decision we will fight for it. We go for it, then it stops. That the that humans start p- 
paying attention to the environment. And I think that's, that's enormously important. So. Well, if you look at it, no matter how uh, prestigious or old the art that they're defacing is, the message is clear, is that our lives and this planet is more important than any man-made, anything that we tell ourselves has value, has no value when compared to the planet. And, you know, if the planet is okay, all this stuff means nothing at the end of the day. If we're not alive. Yes. You know, and uh, yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, you see us, we in our podcast, we're talking about uh, the war more as climate change. And of course, that is the typical situation around the globe that we need to focus on uh urgent matters first yes you know and th th there is no way around it and it's kind of sad but that is the reality and uh you cannot ignore a war because that is threatening right now to escalate in a nuclear war we're all dead and then nobody cares about about the environment at all so th the problem is that the environment is so a slow moving coup basically a slow moving disaster that of course, it always comes after the inflation, after the jobs, after the, the daily concrete problems, you know. And it's kind of sad that it is the way, but that is also the way uh, humans are functioning. Yeah, Automatically, humans... there's no way around it. Humans think about what's directly in front of them as opposed to the long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, it's all not so easy, right? So, uh, how how we move forward on things as as humans, and uh, I I hope it would be a little different, but it's but it's not. So, what uh, else happened? Do we have anything else? Anything that we could end on in a positive note? Um... I watched Top Gun finally in the airplane too, and I have to say it's a well-made action film. Uh, but it's clever how they do it. You never see the enemy, right? So you don't know was was it fighting against the Chinese, fighting against fighting against. Uh, yeah, the, they always have a the Russians a or whatever. You have no clue. That is was funny actually. The AFM. So there was a Chinese buyer. He came to me and said, "Look, if any films against America, I buy it." <laughs> You know, he said, like, we just want films where the Americans are losing. <laughs> I said, okay, buy Tunnel Rats, my Vietnam War movie, because the Americans lost the war. And the film, I think it's very uh, neutral. It's not a pro-American film, but not a, not a pro-North Vietnam film. But it's a realistic film. It shows what actually happened in the Vietnam War. So, and he's checking it out right now. So maybe Tunnel Rats can be shown in state China TV. But the, of course, the meeting showed uh, the tensions between the West and China also escalating up. It's yeah. getting worse by the months, you know, it's getting worse. And I'm very mad about it because there's no reason to fight. Why they don't work together? Yeah. I think the Chinese turning more and more back to a dictatorship uh, like the old days where you couldn't even go to China 
it's moving this direction. And also there, and why? Similar to the situation with Putin, you cannot have people ruling 20, 30 years a country. They automatically turn into autocrats and dictators. Putin was very good in the beginning for Russia. He really modernized the economy. He opened to the West. Uh, uh, he tried to be part of the EU, whatever. And then he got bitter and is now a bitter dictator who's doing a stupid war. And, uh, you know, and, and is not good to the people in Russia anymore. Uh, and, and the same with China. Like this guy came as a reformer. He even lived in America. And then he, he took China over, whatever, 12, 13, 14 years ago. And then since then, he's like removing freedom there piece by piece. You know, and it's it's horrible. It's horrible that, that the world has this kind of uh, turn to to dictatorship and, and, and stuff like this. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, you know. And from this point of view, I want to say something positive about Elon Musk. I mean, I have that to, to, to finish on a funny note is that you saw that they called Twitter people back that just fired because they recognized they need them. <laughs> Did they? And, yeah, yeah, it was in the news today that they recognized that they fired 50% of the, of the uh, employees. And I was thinking, like, how can you fire so quick 50%? You don't even know what they were doing. Yeah. You know, so exactly that happened. Like typical Elon Musk, he runs and fires half of the people and then later finds out that whatever, from the people they fired, at least 20, 25% are absolutely necessary to be there or Twitter breaks apart and falls apart and is not online anymore. It's stuff like this. So they, they various people got called back today and say, look, we offer you a new contract. Please come back. And uh, that shows like how emotional Elon Musk is. Unstable, yeah. Unstable, you know, because uh, 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 you know that that, that it, it, totally idiotic, you know, like where you think like you take Twitter over. Okay, give yourself time for two months to observe what's going on before you fire everybody. You cannot just waltz in and you fire random people and no clue what they do. And, yeah. and uh, because you can, he can, nobody can tell me that he knows he knew what that three thousand five hundred people were actually doing. He just fired, and and uh, th that is the typical thing with Elon Musk. But the positive thing I wanted to say about him is, uh, I, I I think it's better to not have too much Twitter policing. I like it that people can say whatever they want. I'm poor freedom of speech. Yes, no, like hate speech or denying of the Holocaust, but not cancel culture, woke Twitter bullshit, where you yeah. where where people were were cutting people. I think you were uh, taken off from Twitter. I was, you know, like this kind. Of, I I don't like that only because you have different opinions or sometimes you you say things more radical uh, or you make a joke about something and boom, they banned you from Twitter. Ridiculous. And I'm uh -huh. happy that, that uh, Musk doesn't want to do this. That is the one thing. And the other positive thing I want to say about him is, so we, we rented a Tesla in LA. And so in LA, if you drive an electric car, you don't pay parking. It's Really? Free. Yes. And I think that is something other countries and cities should learn from LA. Because if you go to LA, you have 40% Teslas and electric cars. So they, 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 the, the amount of electric cars 
is there way higher as in the rest of the country. Also, to charge your car is free. Hey, I love a Tesla. Don't get me wrong. No, no, but I think that is the thing. What I mean is like, if we want to get away from fossil fuel and save the earth, uh, yes, electric cars are also like with the batteries, whatever, not so good for the environment. But the fact is, they are CO2 neutral. And when you drive them, you don't burn anything. You don't pollute anything. You put, you don't put carbon in the air. And uh, that has now where we need urgent measures to reduce the carbon footprint. Uh, I, I would love like, uh, like oxygen driven or water driven cars, whatever. But right now, the electric car is there. And we need po positive things to switch from fuel to electro. And I think customers need benefits out of it. And if the benefit is you don't have to pay parking, that is a huge thing. In LA, I was at the market in that five days. If I would pay parking, I would spend at least 200 bucks in parking. Yeah. You know, so, and that is the thing. I saved 200 bucks. And that is a, a real point. And, and, and chargers were everywhere. Every parking lot, whatever, you can just drive straight to the charger. You charge your car during the meeting. And then so you have, you have a, a, a double plus. You get free electricity, fuel, you have to pay at the gas station, and you get free parking. You save thousands of, of dollars a, a year, thousands. So I think that is great. And, and I think that other countries should do that too, and other cities. Uh, to, to move it forward, and especially now where all the car manufacturers have electric cars. That, that would, push, would push them forward, you know. Now, yeah, that was it for today. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was a great show. Everybody who's listening, please follow us on Twitter. Uva Ball is Uva Ball 7. I'm Gary Otto Zero. Uh, and we'll and see you Uber next week. on Instagram now too. Now find me on Instagram. My wife is doing it, but we're always talking about it. So. Oh yeah, what is it called? Uva Ball Films. Uh, yeah, it's it's Uva Uva. No, it's uh, at Uva, and then an undersigned Ball undersigned Films. Okay. Yeah, so it's like that that little uh, not the in between line under the the e. underscore. Underscore exactly Uber underscore ball underscore films and uh, there is also uberballfilms.com a website open additional to the Uberball Raw with all yeah. news about what's going on. So we're going really in the offensive here. And then let's let's do another show after the midterms, maybe two, three days. Friday we do the next show, maybe already. Yeah. To talk, to talk about the midterms. I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about. So we'll see each other on Friday. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Take care.